Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 3, titled Lord Snow. Uh, other than an offhanded comment that I think is is a bit of a joke, I'm not sure exactly why this is called Lord Snow. I think that's, uh, you got it. Really? That's yeah. it? Well, I mean... That seems so, pretty so insignificant. One of the central arcs of it is uh, John learning how to command. Right. Well, L- well, John learning not to be a douche. Checking his privilege, yeah. <laughs> yes, there you go. Checking his bastard privilege. Highborn bastard privilege. Okay, so it's just a jab at him. Yeah. Which I got, I just thought, man, overall that's pretty insignificant. What else would you call it? What do you mean? The war for Cersei's cunt. That would that would have yeah. been a pretty epic title because you're like, my god, you sit up straight like, well, wow, you know what? <laughs> this is going to be a big episode. <laughs> let's let's see what kind of uh, content warnings we're going to get here. But no, that uh, that would have yeah, been another title, it, like my first kill. There's there's <laughs> that one. Uh, Back alley, Sally. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, okay, yeah. I that's uh, what do you call that? The anti name game when we just make shit up. Yeah, it's, that's what you call fifty percent of bald move. Uh, Anything before we get into the recap? Yeah, correction to my correction, and oh I swear to God, I, if, if this doesn't stop, I'm just going to start referring to all filming locations as North Dakota. <laughs> but I had a few concerned Scotsmen, a Brit, and a uh, American write in and say that actually, actually, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, a lot of the Winterfell scenes, especially in the pilot, the original pilot, and some survived into the actual pilot, were for, uh, filmed at uh, Don Castle. I probably mispronounced that, uh, which is in central Scotland in, near the Stirling district. Um, and it's a really cool, impressive. It, it, you can definitely see why it could stand in for Winterfell. Uh, so the Scots get mm. their due. Uh, I, I'm not going to read any of the emails because some of them are heated. But uh, let's just all get along, people. <laughs> okay. Because uh, that's the other thing is like you know next it's going to be Croatia writing in and then Spain it's you know, yeah everybody wants just to claim. it's, it it's all bud. North Dakota that's that's from here on out it's Bismarck uh, okay. all scenes of King's Landing were filmed in Bismarck <laughs> uh, that's all I just want to update that uh, to 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 make sure everyone got their due okay then let's get into the recap we start off with the Starks arriving at King's Landing and Ned is immediately invited to a meeting with the Grand Maester. Uh, he decides not to change before he goes in there. Jamie's waiting for him in the throne room, though, before he can get back to the council chambers. And they talk about the Mad King killing Ned's father, and Ned essentially calls Jamie a coward for not stopping it, even though 500 other men stood around uh, and didn't stop it, and also for serving as the hand while it's safe. And now here's Ned serving as the hand while... Well, as the King's guard. Or as the, the King's guard, yeah. And now here's Ned serving as the hand while... It's not it's very unsafe for him. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, I always thought that Ned was a bit tough on Jamie, all things considered. Everyone's giving, tough on Jamie. Given his yeah. age of when this happened and his inexperience and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 you, if you buy into Jamie's narrative that he, uh, you know, single-handedly slew a terrible king and, and spared a lot of the populace. Mm-hmm. But I guess there is a little bit, now that I'm on the second, or God how knows how many times I've watched this, but on, uh, this time through, I'm actually finding that the, you served him well when serving was safe. Because I've often wondered, like, you know, if Jamie had, slew, had, had killed the Mad King right before he killed his father and brother, would right. he still hate them and, and see him as, and I don't know that he would. Um, because okay. that would be a principal stand against some kind of injustice, whereas, but I, I also mm-hmm. think, 
you know, even though I'm sympathetic to this, you also think Ned's being unfair because do you literally, I mean, you're in a position where there's 500 other great men in the room, including you're probably the commander of the Kingsguard that you're serving under, and this right. horrific thing is happening. Like, when do you break your vow? Do you break it at the first imprecation? Mm-hmm. Or do you finally, you know, uh, the, you, you've had all you can stands, you can't stands no more? Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought that was a little bit, uh, I forgot about that, the, the scene uh, and him saying, yeah, you served him when it was safe. Yeah, I'd, so we haven't seen either either of these guys fight yet, but Ned's a little older. Sure. Ned's talking a lot of shit about sure. Jamie, and I get the impression that Jamie's really good with a sword. I don't know that Ned could take Jamie, frankly. My yeah. My my uh <laughs> you might want to tone it down. My considered opinion would be that Ned would be toast, yeah. Okay. Uh All he's right. not that that great of a warrior, but who knows? Uh is is it appropriate to shed any light on this whole thing with ned's father and i don't think so because i I feel like it's um the exact circumstances of the death at at, at king's landing is supposed to be a mystery that it kind of evolves and and colors your opinion of the two men so yeah i think we should kind of keep that close to our vest but yeah and the other thing is like you know man uh a lot of the early goings of the Game of Thrones podcast was a lot, you know, in in the first couple seasons, it was a popular topic to debate the swordsman of the day and all that stuff. I, I don't really want to get into that. Uh, so I, I, I'm not talking shit about Ned. I think it's fair to say that Ned is a commander. Okay. He's not exactly he's a, a, a great swordsman. Right. Like, I, I think he's a good leader and he's a good battlefield commander. Uh, good father, good husband, it seems. Uh, or, you know, as good of a husband as he can be when he's leaving his family. As good as a father you could be when you've got a bastard waiting in the wings. Uh, but, right, yeah. but, like, specifically with Arya and stuff. Yeah. Like, he's always seems fair. He doesn't seem like he's right. pushing his kids in a certain direction or anything. Right. Uh, I don't know. A, a little more progressive, that Ned Stark. Anyway, he goes back to the council chambers where he meets with uh, the Grand Maester uh Pycelle, that's his name. Rinley, Varys, Littlefinger, uh just a whole bunch, the the whole crew there. Yeah, you this is um, you know, the, the, a lot of main characters are being introduced here. Rinley, of course, is Robert's younger son. Right. Um and I thought it's interesting to see that it looks like Ned pretty much hates everybody except for Rinley. He's tight yeah. with Rinley. He's like, "Hey, I remember you." Gives Come him a big hug, yep. Hey, you, you knucklehead. Uh he, you know, <laughs> Varys he doesn't like. Uh-huh. Um, he and, and he he kind of brings them up. Oh, we were praying for jo- Joffrey's crow. I'll pray for the butcher's son. Right, Littlefinger. You know, we already find out that there's a little bit of uh, torch caring for his wife. But that's all. That's never a line you start off. It's like, oh no, no. Yeah, I used to be the that dude that jerked off thinking about your wife. Remember me? Right. I'm the I'm the little wormy guy. Uh, uh-huh. That's not cool. And then uh, the hey, ma- great Mason. You don't know why he hates him except for you served another. I, I, that's a come on, Ned. That's a bullshit reason not to like someone. You just distrust him, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, maybe there's some facts that we don't know. Maybe. Maybe there there's some 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 skullduggery here. There's a fact that Ned doesn't know, and that is Robert is a terrible king. He's out doing whatever the fuck he's out. He's slapping whores or drinking wine or whatever he's doing. Uh, he's not there for the meeting. The council says, "Hey, we're six million in debt because of this guy." Sure. Uh, John Aaron tried to talk to him, but. He didn't really listen. I love how Robert eventually invited him and said, come be my hand and help me whore and drink myself into early grave. And then he gets there and he's like, I thought that was just Robert, <laughs> you know, yeah. shit talking. I had no idea that it was that it was actually true. He's distraught. 
yeah, and he's he's bankrupting the kingdom here. Uh, and they want to put on a tournament, but Ned's like, no, 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 that's going to cost far too much money. We don't have it. Let me talk with the king before we do any planning. I thought Rinley's line reading of the Counting Coppers sounded very uh, Dickens Street Urchin. <laughs> counting Coppers is what he called it, governor. <laughs> what he called... I was like, what the... F- what? Rinley, come on. Okay. Gonna be pushing sure. his nose against the window, wanting invited yeah. in next. Oh man, it's a bad scene. You gotta, you gotta cut that shit out before it starts. Yeah. Uh, so we find out Brandon Stark. Who I have we seen Brandon Stark? Why okay. on screen? I'm mentioning him because Littlefinger says he sliced me. He basically sliced him up. Yeah, Brand- no. from the the nuts to the collarbone. More backstory, but Brandon is the old, the eldest Stark son that went to King's Landing was murdered with Ned's father. Okay, so we obviously haven't and seen. And Bran him. is actually named after. Uh, well, I mean, they're all named after Brand, like this ancient Brandon who supposedly built Winterfell in the Wall. But yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but he, you know, he chose Catelyn, he says. He, he talks a lot of shit about uh, what Catelyn means to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, right in front of Ned. I don't know what to talk, because, like, I could tell the whole story about, you know, and, and all this, but, like, I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure it comes up later. Well, he tells part of the story position. here yeah, about that. some kind of, I don't know, we find out later that maybe he was buttering Ned up a bit here. He's like, look, I care about Catelyn. So we're so later on, one up. Well, I, I think he's just making a point. He's not buttering him up. That was that was okay. misspeaking. But uh, he's making a point like, I care about Catelyn. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've got the scars to prove it. Sure. Um, so that later on when he talks about this dagger and how he's going to you know get to the bottom of it and all that stuff, it, it maybe makes sense to Ned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though Ned still distrusts him. Yeah. I just like uh, if you wanted to butter the guy up or getting as good, like there's probably other ways you could say that. Like, oh, yeah, she used to be, uh, I had a crush on her. Right. You know, not... Yeah, boyhood crush. Can you blame me? Like, yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. right? But we're all men now. Well, I've moved on. And, <laughs> sure. Know, I literally, I've got all my horses. I literally own hundreds of women, so... Yeah. Uh, so we go over to Cersei patching up Joffrey's arm and kind of rewriting the history of this direwolf encounter in Joffrey's head, kind of kind of as a lesson to him. Like, look, you are the person who makes the history here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will believe what you say. Uh, she also teaches him a lesson about ruling the kingdom and kind of sets up the Starks as their enemies, which Joffrey was feeling all along. Yeah. And real... basically everyone else. It's, it's, it's us or no one. Yeah, it's funny because she says she simultaneously trains him to have an inflated sense of his own importance, but also mm-hmm. tries to then reel it in. Like, well, you know, just because you're king doesn't mean you can do anything you want. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a weird opinion of power. Yeah, the world would be exactly as you want it to be. Well, I think the Northerns have too much power, and I want a garrison and blah, and have a standing army. He's like, well, come on, you can't have the world exactly what you want. What, right. what Whatever gave you that idea? We're talking about within the castle walls here, Jeff. Well, in the lesson, as always, Cersei's an idiot. Right. And bad at everything, including imparting any kind of moral instruction to one's children. Yeah. She seems to be maybe slightly better at it than Joffrey, because Joffrey doesn't realize, hey, I can't rule a kingdom the way I'm explaining here. Yeah, but... I can't just march over everyone. Cersei was raised by Tywin fucking Lannister. Joffrey's raised by Cersei. So, like, you know, they're... they're, If she's better at it, it's just because she's a terrible parent. 
Yeah, it's the phone game, right? Like she's right. telling Joffrey everything that she learned from Tywin, which is barely remembered. She wasn't really listening, you know. Right. She was like, I, I just see her like twirling her hair and chewing gum, you know. Whatever, Dad. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay, Arya is practicing stabbing Joffrey. She's sitting at the table there stabbing it. Ned comes in and sends her to her room, and then gives Sansa a doll from the royal doll maker person who makes uh marcella's dolls which i gotta say princess shit quality well it's medieval time i've (laughs) seen i've seen the hound has an articulated wolf skull on his helmet and they got a corn cob doll with like a clay face carved (laughs) on it and that's the best you can that's what the princess gets because everybody's focused on making armor like, armor's so much more important than dolls, so, mm. like, the sh- real shit craftsmen are working on those dolls. Well, it's also patriarchy, you know, you know, you know right. that Joffrey's playing with, like, super fucking Valerian Steel He-Man oh, yeah. figures He's that got Transformers. have like... combat, or swivel gr- kung <laughs> right. fu grip, and, or, you know, all that stuff, and they, they get the corncob dolls. They should make a hound Transformer. <laughs> well, there is a Transformer named Hound, point of fact. Right, but it turns into, uh, Gregor. <laughs> like just wait he's the mountain uh sandor sorry yeah that would be a boring ass toy it's a mountain that transforms into a, <laughs> a humanoid dog. robot oh a dog yeah okay. yeah it turns from a dog into sandor my experience with transformers is the more desperate the, sh- the, the 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 difference between the the final shapes the more unwieldy the toy yeah the easier they are to break and yeah or they just look their proportions are fucked up because those animators don't give a shit when they're doing the they're just like oh fucking fudge it but right. when you got a real 3d thing no there's unless you're, you grew up in harry potter land there's no hiding that well sansa's right she hates the doll it's a shit doll she hated it uh and she runs off to her room i haven't played with dolls since i was eight which you know come on ned you should uh address might have gone better yeah like yeah, a really she's nice... trying to be a woman full-grown here. You do, need to... do, do you think that the hint is that maybe Ned has not been as involved in his daughter's life, his lives? Because Could be, yeah. Because it, it, look at Arya. She apparently got no... Although she was a fair shot with a bow, so maybe she did get some combat training. Mm-hmm. But she's wasting away doing needlepoint. Right. And Sansa hasn't played with dolls for, like, five years, and Ned apparently is ignorant of both of those facts. And maybe, like... I guess so. I, but, but I don't know. I don't know how much of that is just... You know, we're supposed to think Sansa's a spoiled brat. Um, I, well, I think it's not so much that she's a spoiled brat. To me, it's more like she's trying to be more grown up. Like, she's wanting to get married. She's wanting to, like, right. be her own person at this point. Right. Uh, and, you know, kind of push toward what her life is going to be rather than what it is now. Right. And this is representative of Well, the, the big the, the thing that sticks in my craw is that what she's punishing her father here for is the death of her wolf. Right. Which is entirely her fault. Now, I think Ned is she, yeah. also right when he tells Zarya, he's like, look, she was drugged before the king. What's she to do? What I mean, what what do you do? And like yeah. Arya, of course, says, we just fucking tell the truth. It's really easy. Yeah. Arya's <laughs> like, I got principles. Right. And, and they cannot be violated. Yeah. She's got needlepoint. I have needle. Yeah. I'm better. So say we all. <laughs> uh, so Ned goes to see Arya in her room. She's she's playing with needle. Ned sits her down and he examines. The I like sword. how she opens. She she greets her father at the door with naked with steel. Sword, yeah, like, it's almost a challenge. I was like, what <laughs> is he even going to look at that sword? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he sits her down. And he checks out the sword, and Arya's pretty sad about the butcher's boy getting killed and and angry at Sansa for lying, and feels personally responsible too for because her 
you know, it's one of those things where now she's had enough time that, you know, if I wasn't, a, if, if I did just do the needle point and I wasn't such a fucking tomboy, then right. that Micah wouldn't have died. Yeah, fair point. Uh, Ned tries to explain that the family needs to stick together and he gives her the sword back and tells her to learn how to use it. Yeah. Which I think surprises her, you know? It, it does surprise her. She's like, really? I get to keep it? Yeah. Uh, she she could probably do some needlepoint with that, yeah? Just put some, put some thread on there and just go to work. She, she could, uh, I don't know, maybe like needlepoint needle, needle for a sail, like a main sail for a ship. Because uh, oh, you'd have some pretty thick thread and some pretty thick needle here. It's true. Uh, I like this because it's essentially Ned trying to explain difficult things to both of his daughters and having mixed success with both. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I feel like Arya gets it at the end of this. Like this is some good parenting because mm, good parenting. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't crack down on her and like try and punish her for, you know, things that that she really wants to do. She, he, he understands that, and he's not trying to push her in a direction. Yeah. Uh, as as much as you know, a medieval type father can. Right. <laughs> Anyway, Bran is laying in bed, and an old woman tries to tell him a boring story. He wants to hear a scary one instead. So she starts telling him a story about White Walkers, and it it starts to get the blood pumping. And then Rob interrupts him, dismisses all of her stories, says she's an old crazy woman. Uh, Rob confirms that Bran's legs are kaput, and Bran says he'd rather be dead. Yeah. Uh, A couple things. The Sir Duncan the Tall she references is a reference to the... uh, the the short stories and novellas that Martin has published about Sir Duncan, hmm. uh, you can actually read it. Uh, there's a, a collection I got for Christmas called The Hedge Knight or A Knight in Westeros is what it's called. Hmm. Uh, and I guess there's a, a several more from that. But there, if if you can't get enough Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, you can you can always try that. And I think there's some graphic novel series too where they're illustrated. Uh, but they're pretty cool. But they're straightforward tales of heroics, it seems. They're not quite as nuanced and uh, certainly as dark. It's like The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings. Um, but I love I love this scene. I love, you know, Bran goading her into t- telling the story and her, like, kind of refusal that's not a refusal. And she's, you know, the, the, the sweet summer child, which is the patronizing phrase that all the book readers used with the fucking... Yeah. show watchers oh you sweet summer child you think this is going to be happy <laughs> but yeah when she like sets her face and's like fears for the winter when the women smothered the babies and the tears froze in the cheeks it's like if she had broken into that like uh peewee's big adventure large marge the <laughs> the semi driver it right. would have fit tonally because and and brand's kind of like shrinking into the covers it's yeah, a great I, scene i mean i think brand's excited by it brand wants a little adventure he wants some danger and you know, he's not going to have use of his legs, so that's right out the window, and now he doesn't know what to do with himself. Right. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, a kid this young would have that taken away from him. Right. Uh, also, I really, I, I do like the way that they shoot a lot of this. There there are several times in this episode where they just use these, these push-ins mm-hmm. uh, on the camera where... One's on that old lady, mm-hmm. and she's telling the story about the White Walkers, and it's real good. Uh, it gives it an ominous feel. Uh, later on, they do it with Catelyn and Ned as Catelyn's leaving right. uh, King's Landing. But I don't know. Some some good cinematography in general. Uh, so Catelyn shows up at King's Landing where the guards meet her and take her to Littlefinger's brothel. Cat's uh, pissed about it, but he did it to hide her, and she kind of gets that by the end of it. Then Varys joins them and asks for the dagger of the assassin, 
He doesn't know whose it is, but fortunately Littlefinger does. He says he lost it in a bet to Tyrion Lannister. Mm. So there's some implication that maybe Tyrion Lannister hired this assassin to come kill Bran. Now, from what I knew of the characters, I found this assertion dubious at best when I first saw this. Okay. I'm like, right. what? Tyrion says I, that what? Why? What? The, the real question is, why would Tyrion do it? Right. And, and, and what also, does he have to since gain? we see him in this episode interacting with John and learning about, like, nothing in his manner suggests that he would do something like that. Right. Which makes you think Littlefinger's lying. Now, yeah. To what end? Why or, would Littlefinger lie? Or there's something else to the piece that, that where there's a, some other actor that's, you know, this is going to be some kind of mystery that has to be unfolded. But right now, I always felt like, oh, well, this is a clear, this is bullshit. There's no way right. Little, or Ty- Tyrion did that. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem within his character. How did, I mean, the other thing we're supposed to really, this scene really yeah. kind of sets up and it works really well, uh, even for someone, or maybe especially for someone that's watched everything. It's like, how good Varys is as yeah. the Master Whispers. Like, how the fuck, how the fuck did he know? Like... Only the people that were in the the the, the Godswood there, yeah. uh, the the in in Kate's small council, Cat's small council that she called, knew about the the true purpose and who's coming and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, man, I'm still scratching my head. Yeah, no, it, but it really does set him up as the guy with all the knowledge, and it it helps because you know Littlefinger has a certain amount of knowledge here, but he also says like, I'm surprised that you don't know because right. you know everything, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it works really well. What do you think of Littlefinger when you first saw him? Because I'd only seen this guy as Mayor Carsetti from The Wire. Me too. Yeah, and he's you know that's the thing is like uh, Mayor Carsetti is a complicated character because he's kind of uh, I don't know a compromised hero or he tries to be a hero mm-hmm. but he just you know uh, nothing nothing good happens in, in Baltimore apparently <laughs> right and uh, he just kind of gets consumed by the political machine. Uh, I thought it was a great casting choice because yeah. he's kind of good at playing those characters who you're just not quite sure about. Yeah, he has the face you don't know if you trust. And right off the bat, you're just not quite sure about this guy. Absolutely. Uh, then we go to John up at the wall. He's kicking ass. He's just breaking noses and stabbing people as Tyrion watches. Uh, they're they're kind of training in the yard there. Mm-hmm. And then Jor Mormont complains that the men's training is going slowly and then hands Tyrion a letter for John that we don't see uh, what what it says. It literally, uh, and then pass it around to all the other black brothers. We want to all read it before we give it to him. <laughs> right. I, I get the Mormon might op- crack it open and read it because, like, he's the Lord Commander, but, yeah. like, what the fuck just giving it to Tyrion? Yeah, why does he do that? I don't know. I thought it was very bizarre to second, as I was watching it. Like, just everyone read John's mail, I guess. I, give it to Alistair to give to, to I John, I wouldn't even right? fucking like, do that. Yeah, just give it to John yourself. It's, yeah, it's real silly. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, we unless you have anything else to say, it looks like John has been well trained, and also looks like that this Alistair Thorne guy is kind of an asshole. The one that's the train, he's the, the drill. big tall blonde guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the drill with the guy liner. He's the drill instructor, and uh, you know, you you think like, what an asshole! He's trying to goad all these guys against John and uh, t- talking about him growing up in a castle, spitting down in the likes of you. Yeah. And just as you're like, man, what an asshole! Jorah Mormont says, well, you know, you need a guy like that to turn a bunch of thieves and rapists into men of the Night's Watch. Like, okay, yeah, that that tracks. That makes sense. 
Yeah, but then you also need a Tyrion, right? Like, yeah. You can't just have an Alistair, otherwise people start killing each other. Uh, but if you've got a Tyrion there to kind of, you know, explain why these people hate each other right. and try and bring them together, right? then it helps. I wonder if they... S- I wonder if they get one sacrificial lamb per class. Probably. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, painting a red dot on a chicken and they all just peck him to death and then they all feel like badasses. Is it always the best one? Like, well, that's the thing. Like, this I, guy's kicking all your asses. Let's right, kill him. Right. But, but by doing that, instead of having one badass and 12 idiots, you've got now 12 semi badasses. Okay. And one dead badass. I, I, I wonder. I wonder. Because it does seem like their attrition rate is 50% if mm-hmm. you take literally them at their words. Right. Okay. So, like, I life's cheap up at the wall. We go back over to King's Landing where Pycelle gives Ned a letter from Winterfell. And Littlefinger comes in and says he should share the news with his wife, um, which confuses Ned. He's he's like, what What are you saying? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He starts to get a little angry. <laughs> and then Littlefinger leads him to where Cat is staying in the brothel. Uh, and, and, you know, Ned attacks him and he's, like, ready to kill him. For the insults until Cat pops her head out and says, hey, up here. Which is filmed very funny. What like, do you That's mean? a funny, just just her popping oh, her yeah. head out and it, it's like uh, you know, bordering on a Benny Hill skit. Sure. Uh, between that and the back alley Sally, I thought this was a pretty funny, pretty uh, funnier than usual episode of Game of Thrones. This yeah, is probably it, Game of Thrones at its funniest, honestly. I think so. Uh, Ty- early Tyrion stuff is always real funny, too. But it's dry um, and ironic. It's not like... You know, I like that. Yeah, cat popping up, boing, right? Like cuckoo clock or something. <laughs> sure. And then uh, Littlefinger mugging like, "Oh, these stocks, quick temper, slow minds." Yep, great, love it. <laughs> like we don't really need to, as an audience, stick around for that remark, but it's fun. Yeah, he also uh, he he gives really good choking. Like, he has a really okay. good like you know his eyes kind of bugged out and focused. Sean in two Bean different doesn't directions. stage choke. <laughs> Sean thing. Bean actually chokes you when he all chokes the Shans. Sean Connery doesn't stage eat if <laughs> he he's doesn't. if he's got a plate of pork chops in front of him he's going to eat the fucking pork chops. Uh-huh. Sean Bean if he's got a throat to choke he's going to choke the throat. He doesn't know how. <laughs> and Sean Michael Scott will really. It says in the script monkeys. I choke him. It doesn't say I act <laughs> like I choke him. It says I choke him. He's a method actor. What do you want? Do you want me to act like a joke? Put it in a script. And he stomps off. <laughs> uh, so the guys whose asses John kicked earlier corner him in the armory and put a knife to his throat. Then Tyrion comes in and threatens to put all of their heads on on spikes, and they back off. Uh, Tyrion uses the stories of how each man came to be at the wall to kind of teach John a lesson about the advantages that he's had in life and... Uh, you know, his his privilege, and then gives him a letter saying, hey, Bran woke up. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I feel like Tyrion's been trying to teach Jon these lessons. I don't I don't know what made him necessarily take Jon under his wing other than he's a bastard and an I think outcast. That's it. And yeah. Really? He just feels some camaraderie with this guy because they've both like, been shit on? Yeah, no. They're both so. royalty who've been shit on. <laughs> I kind of. I mean, that that does okay. make that because I mean, yeah, the royalty angle even makes it stronger. They're literally uh-huh. peers, uh, and their fathers have rejected them and spurred them for different reasons. But right, right. you know, that's something like, hey, uh, you know, what if I had your body? 
Like, I, I wonder if it's some of that, like, uh, you know, okay. like, if I can and somehow... skill with the sword. And... Yeah. Like, like I'm a dwarf, so all I have is my mind. You seem like you're reasonably intelligent, and you've got a full-size body that's, you know... I, yeah, I, it's almost like Tyrion's body is the thing holding him back, and yeah. Jon's brain, Jon's mind, is the thing holding him back. It's like, not as even... Because I don't think Jon... Well, I don't know. Jon, John, he's, he's as dumb as any other male Stark. <laughs> It's pretty dumb. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll come to appreciate. There, they they tend to be dumb. But uh-huh. um, uh, I, it's, what do you call that? Like the social order holding him back? Like his preconceived notion of what he can do and be? Right. That's why I because the society's yeah. expectations. Sure. Whereas if he could just kind of get over that, uh, he might be a you know not throwing his life away at the wall. I guess. Right. Which seems a pretty rash thing to do, and even. Is it this scene or is it later on where he's like, look, nobody told me what it was going to actually be like up here. Nobody cared enough. Right. Except for you, Tyrion. Yeah. Like, he seems a little bit like he's made a mistake there. I, man, I, because at this point in the story, before he's kind of turned things around and made some friends, it is like, man, I'm, there are no heroes here. Like, yeah. Uh, there is nothing dashing or daring or, you know, there's not, I'm not, I haven't even seen a grumpkin nor a snark, nor even a wildling. So what the hell am I doing here? This isn't. What you have seen is maybe the only elevator in Westeros, though. Mm. Like, is there anything else like this in all of Westeros? Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, okay. it's kind of like if Why you not? think, if you think like you sign up, you, you volunteer to go into the army or the Marines and you think, you know, you've heard all these stories. You travel the world. Told, right. Then you show up and it's like fucking Charlie Sheen's company and platoon mm-hmm. and they're just smoking dope and they got, you know, going around half naked. And it's like, what? the This isn't any kind of. Right. This is military the tradition noble, I'm familiar with. Yeah. Heroic thing that I thought I was getting into. Yeah. 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 No, it's. uh you know he's getting a rude awakening here um but you know Tyrion's also taking him under his wing and he's trying to teach him lessons uh trying to keep him from getting killed here and bring him together with his fellow brothers yeah uh and i and you know hearing that brand's awake i think is a little bit of a shot in the arm for right. for his positivity anyway we go over to littlefinger promising to try to keep ned alive while they work on resolving the brand/dagger situation right um, kind of figure out what to do about that because they can't very well just go accusing the Lannisters uh, straight up. And then Cersei goes to Jamie to worry aloud about uh, Bran waking up. And Jamie isn't worried but promises to kill anyone who objects. Uh, I don't know. Just a real quick scene. They're, they're getting all touchy-feely on each other again. Kind of grosses me I also out. Think it's, I also <laughs> think it's interesting how detached Jamie is from his children like Cersei cares for her. You, you see in this episode that she cares for her children, her, well, at least Joffrey in her way. Mm-hmm. But Jamie, when he's saying like, I'm going to kill everyone until you and I are the only people left in the world. Like he is completely wrapped up in Cersei. Yeah. And for whatever reason has kind of, you know, divested his fatherly feelings for his children. I think this is evidence of that. Um, okay. Early, early evidence. Yeah. Um, then we go back to Ned telling Catelyn uh, he'll take care um, – or, sorry, that he'll take any proof he finds to the king. Uh, he's going to continue on the case and I guess work a little bit with Littlefinger there. And then she takes off for Winterfell once mm-hmm. again. 
not a lot more to say about that. There's King Robert asking Sir Barristan about his first kill and kind of talking about his own. And they run out of wine, and he sends uh, Lancel Lannister out to get more. And then at the same time pulls Jamie into the room to tell the story of his first kill, which we find out was the Mad King. Um, or, or, sorry, no, it was not the Mad King. It was some kid on the battlefield that he cut the head off of. Uh, and then Rob asks what the Mad King said when Jamie stabbed him in the back, and Jamie says, burn them all. This is an interesting scene, because you can tell that King Robert, for sport, likes to take down Lannisters for Peg. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, Lancel, gods, what there. a stupid name. And then get your Kingslaying cousin in here, Kingslayer. And right. I think that what he wanted to hear most of all was his first first uh, kill was King Aerys. And when Jamie was, like, mm. staring away from that, and even Barristan Selmy, this distinguished Lord Commander, has a measure of respect for Jamie, which I think is super yeah. curious given his moniker, the Kingslayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, well, you know, uh, before you were a shitty Kingslayer, you, you, you were something there. Uh, and but, that was kind of pissing off Robert, so he steers it right back to what he really wanted to do, which is slap him around for being a Kingslayer again. Right. Uh, so Barristan has been around in this organization for a long time, right? Yeah. Back when the Mad King was still the king. Sure. So I, I imagine that he has probably understood that the Mad King was, in fact, mad. Sure. And that maybe his respect for Jamie comes from that, mm-hmm. that, that he was maybe closer to the thing and he could see that Jamie wasn't just a kingslayer he was doing a uh, something else for the realm you know it is it is weird though to think that robert is so openly provoking jamie lannister as the kingslayer when he is guarding himself as the king okay right like how do you think the second king you kill is harder or easier <laughs> right <laughs> once you break the seal on the whole kingslaying thing if you want Kingslayer, fine. I'll show you Kingslayer. Yeah, and right, right. Off with your head. Right. Uh, sure. No, maybe not the wisest move, but then we find out that Rob isn't the wisest king. That's so, so bizarre. Like, I've um, I, I've read some articles about, like, what it's like to be a Secret Service person and, like, you know, that they have, like, private thoughts about, you know, some of the presidents they like more than others. And Oh, sure. Like, But yeah. you still, at the end of the day, have to take bullets for them. And I think that's interesting to see that, like, Barristan sitting there watching one of his brothers be abused mm-hmm. and uh, the scorn. And, and what an unworthy king Robert is. Yeah. Like, he's it's... he's the worst fucking king. Uh, Seems like it, yeah. And, like, how, what a bummer that must be. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know what Barristan thought about the Mad King, but I don't know that he has that much respect for Robert either. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I, I like the performances from everybody in this. Yeah. Uh, then we move on to Danny asking Jorah where the Dothraki get their slaves. Jorah says basically they take them as tribute or sometimes they want a battle and they take them that way. Uh, Danny stops the procession to just wander off into the fucking grass for some reason. Uh, this grass that's supposed to be deadly and is going to take over the world. I don't think this is the ghost grass they're talking about. It's not? No. I think this okay. is what you call the uh, Dothraki Seas. Okay. Uh, Viserys finds her and threatens her. Um, a Dothraki dude whose name I don't know. Jakaro, I think is his name. Jakaro? Okay. Chokes him with a whip until Danny says to release him. And then Viserys orders Jorah to kill that dude, that Jakara dude. Uh, but he's completely ignored. And I, he's I love the, per- the performance of Danny's handmaiden, Eerie, when he's she's like explaining she doesn't want her brother killed, and Jakara looks at her like for real, and she goes like, eh. <laughs> 
You know, like, eh, <laughs> what are you going to say? They're fucking Westerosi. Right. Um, but this is the worm is beginning to turn. Beginning? And Vis- well, that's the thing. I feel the like worm this turned, is the turn. The worm turned and Viserys doesn't realize it. Okay. And yeah. like he gets up after being like choked, almost choked to death with a whip, still spouting threats and nonsense. Like he's just right. the worst. He's the fucking worst. And then his I eyes know, bug out when I, they tell know, him to walk. I know I just said that Robert's the worst king, but in so much as this guy is a king, okay. he is the worst. Yeah, he he really is. Uh, uh, and and it doesn't look like he has any power anymore. Right. Like he thought, you know, he was gonna somehow take the Dothraki and conquer Westeros. That doesn't seem to be the thing anymore. No. Uh, I don't know where they're marching to, though. Where are they marching? I know, but you don't know yet. So okay. it'll be all will be revealed in the fullness of time. Sounds, uh, sounds good. <laughs> I think the other thing is there's a, there's a, some cute stuff in the book where because um, they took his horse away. It's like no, yeah. no, you you walk. Uh, the, the Dothraki had this uh, nickname for him, Cal uh, uh, Rahe Mar. Which is the Sorefoot King? <laughs> they oh, started God. like laughing behind his back because that's <laughs> that's what like the men rode horses, the slaves and sure. the attendants would walk. So it was like not just a punishment, but also them pissing on him. Yeah. Okay. Um, John takes the elevator to the top of the wall where he finds Benjamin, and John looks out north off the wall and kind of. You know, takes it all in. This is the first time he's ever seen the North. Yeah. Um, and I guess not a lot of people have seen this, so it's a sight to behold. Uh, Bingen tells him that he's headed North to look into some disturbing reports, as he calls them. John wants to go, but Bingen says, basically, you haven't earned it yet. You gotta stay here. Even though you're better than everybody else, or at least you think you are. <laughs> better at sword fighting, anyway. Yeah. I think it's um, so. What I said in the first episode about the backstory behind, um, you know, the the brash young ranger mm-hmm. uh, that he was uh, a, a noble born uh, third son, and uh, that he kind of pressured Mormont into being the ranger. The they're going out and leading this ranging party. I I, I took that, and I, I'm wondering. I, I I took those eyes into this scene, and I wonder if what Benjen says about you got to earn. That's like a new policy. Like Mormon's like, no more of this shit. Like hmm. Benjen, I know, I know your nephew's gonna bounce up to you and want to go. And fuck it, no, I'm not gonna have any more inexperienced whelps getting killed up there. Right. Uh, again, none of that's in the script or even in the, the the novels, but it's 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 a little thing I've I've kind of pieced together hmm. because it's obviously not true since the other thing was. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, I like I mentioned it earlier. What's with this being the only elevator in all of Westeros? Like, shouldn't they have elevators up to like towers and shit in King's Landing? Like, I've never seen. I've watched six seasons of Game of Thrones now. I've never seen another elevator. Hmm. What the hell? Well, they rely on foot power a lot to yeah. get them around and to get them up to places. And is it the fact that it's just like treacherous? Like you got ice and snow, and you'd have black. You'd have you'd have, your attrition rate to be ninety nine percent because you'd lose a guy every day slipping on the the staircase and and whatnot. Maybe, I, I would think they could like hollow out some of that wall, build yeah. a staircase up it. I actually I bet know. they do have other. I bet they do have elevators. I would think like so. on the wall because like if you want to get like a big 
you know, one of those scorpion type crossbows or a barrel of oil to set on fire. Like you're, you, you cannot carry that up staircase or right. ladder. You yeah. have to have some kind of freight elevator. Okay. I've just never seen it. I would like to see more of the medieval tech. It did also look like to me, I've always thought that it not is that not only is that just an elevator, but it is like a switchback kind of staircase to the side of it. Oh, is there? So maybe maybe uh, this is John's Tinderfoot status that he's riding the fucking elevator. <laughs> oh, too yeah. good to take the stairs, are we? Right. Uh, so Tyrion and the guy named Yorin are talking about the strangest things they've ever eaten. I guess Yorin ate some bear balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjen comes in and shuts down the revelry with a heavy dose of nice wa- Night's Watch reality. Uh, Tyrion says he admires the Night's Watch, but... He doesn't believe in the legends about what's north of the wall. And Benjen leaves, and Tyrion suggests that Yorin and he share the road since he's headed to King's Landing as well. Uh, apparently doing a lot of recruiting from the dungeons of King's Landing. Yeah, Yorin is their uh, recruiter slash jailer. Yeah. Seems like a, a, a fun guy. Yeah, that Benjen too. What a Probably riot. Probably the best job at the wall too, right? Recruiting? Yeah. Well, you get yeah. the on a regular basis. You get to ride all the way to King's Landing, where it's yeah. warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where you're going to get. Uh, you're going to do some some eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, no other black brothers around, so maybe you can do some whoring too. Right. Yeah. I mean, any opportunity to get away from the wall, south, probably away from good, the wall, good opportunity. Is probably yeah. You want to take that. Uh, and that you know that's why Benjamin's such an angry prick. He's sent north of the wall constantly. Mm-hmm one of those rangers uh so moving on to uh, there's a lot of comedy in this scene that i like just the the repertoire between yorin and Tyrion is pretty good uh eating dornish girls is the weirdest thing that <laughs> right. Tyrion's ever a uh, person sank his teeth into yeah i love Tyrion. Tyrion's awesome uh so we go over to danny practicing her dothraki language skills when her servant girl grabs her boob and tells her she's pregnant. <laughs> That's, okay, sure. Yep, you can tell by this. A millimeter difference, I sure, guess. Sure, sure. Her hands are finely calibrated uh, <laughs> breast inspection devices. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I, I guess at that point we just, we take it as fact. Danny's pregnant. She yeah. certainly does. Because mm-hmm. uh, She you squeezed know. the boob, Jim. What more do you want? <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I guess, like, she says, oh, have you bled lately? I guess, that's true. you know, that would be a good indicator. Yeah, yeah. And she says, she says later on her belt, like, she's she's starting to swell up, too. And she's having cravings. And, right. Oh, man. Right. Yeah, so... Maybe, just, maybe it's just too much goat meat. Like, yeah, that, that right. She just bloated from the goat meat. Yeah, bloat. <laughs> goat bloat is... <laughs> <laughs> Leading cause of false pregnancy in all of, of all of Westeros. Yeah, you don't get that eating dog. You just don't get it, eating dog. No, no, no. Uh, all right, so you Jorah... get the dog sog or the bog. That's where you just like the <laughs> feeling of lethargy, not right. the bloat. You get the you get the bog. Uh, so Jorah's teaching. I think it's the same Dothraki dude. Uh, why armor is yep. valuable. It's what you say. His steel name dresses. Jacaro. Jo- Jacaro. Okay, that uh, could be wrong because this guy is, I believe, a. Uh, an amalgamation of several different Dothraki characters from the books. Oh, okay. I don't think he's he's actually from from the the books, which is why it's 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 a little bit. Uh, I'm not quite sure if he's in the next episode, which I, I want to say probably will be. Uh, I'll learn his name. Okay. If if that's a luxury you get to say on Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> uh, so this Ned guy, if he makes it to the next episode, <laughs> Jorah's teaching uh, this Jakar guy why armor is valuable and how 
you know, Dothraki weapons aren't really equipped to deal with it. Uh, then there's mention of his father, who is apparently a great warrior, uh, who we've seen. That's that's the other Mormont, the Gior guy, mm-hmm. uh, up the wall. Because if you didn't, put, yeah, if you didn't make the connection, that's his father. The Lord Commander of the Wall is Jorah's father, right? Uh, and then a servant girl comes in and announces that Danny's pregnant, and Jorah says, "I got a ride. Mm-hmm. I got to get out of here." He's she leaving wants to, eat to something Kohar. Jakara says, "I think we have a Dornish girl here." I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> It's HBO. We take, sure. take advantage of it. Uh, so he's headed off to Quahar. Quahar. Uh huh. I don't know how to say it, but it, I don't know why. Like this prompts him to just take off. Right. That's suspicious it seems as weird. fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like he 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 just had just had this long conversation about fathers and dishonor and betrayal, and then someone comes in. Hey. uh... Uh, Khaleesi's pregnant, guess what? And he's like, uh, this long thousand yard stare, (laughs) I must ride to Kohor. (laughs) Gotta go. Yeah. What the hell, man? Mm -hmm, Jorah. Uh, What are you up to, bud? We go back up to the wall. John's teaching his brother how, his brothers, how to fight in the yard. Uh, you know, a a little bit nicer this time. Doing a bit more teaching, less beating. Right, yeah. Uh, Tyrion's kind of watching it over. He goes inside where Maester Aemon says that winter is coming. He's pretty insistent about it. Uh, and insistent about the dangers of winter, even though Tyrion is, you know, notoriously doesn't believe in it. Yeah. Uh, And they both plead with Tyrion to get them some help once he gets back to King's Landing, because they're going to need it when the winter gets here. Right. Uh, And Maester Aemon, he doesn't see so well, but man, looking at him, he's, he's pretty intense. Right. When he's talking about the winter and the dangers. Yeah, so they they drop a lot of science on us as far as the um, the, the the Night's Watch that their strength is less than a thousand, right? And um, there was used to be a, a series of a ton of different castles uh, along the wall where they would you know set up a, be able to garrison it and constantly uh, you know patrol the woods and whatnot. And at the time of of Game of Thrones, it's dwindled down to just three castles being held. They've got the Shadow Tower. Uh, East Watch by the Sea, which is on the two extreme ends of the con- of, of the wall at both ends of the continent, and then um, you got Castle Black, which is the one little outpost there at King's Landing. All the other castles have fallen into ruin. Hmm. Um, a thousand men holding this this enormous wall doesn't sound like much. It doesn't nearly and, enough, and they basically say as much. Like we've been neglected for a very long time. Yeah, uh, but winter is coming, and we are going and for to need... real this time. Not just right. you know, we've got reports from wherever that the temperatures are dropping, all that kind of stuff. So, what's your read on? Did this actually touch Tyrion? Because if I'm Tyrion after making that speech about the Grumpkins and Snarks, I'm thinking, well, yeah, the old men want more men and more food and more money and more supplies because Mm -hmm. their power is dwindling. This is just, this is, they're trying, and how many noble lords come to visit the wall? So this is like their one time, like I would be skeptical as hell at all these things they're saying. Right. But, but like you said, when Maester Aemon is like, you know, his blind ass is saying prophesying doom it's it's real enough. You kind of believe him, um, but no, I, I I thought that there was just enough maybe doubt that Peter Dinklage played there that like maybe this is legit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, move on to Danny and Drogo laying in bed. Danny tells him the baby is a boy. 
Uh, I guess she'd already told him that she was pregnant because it wasn't really news to him. Right. Well, you just the difference in left and right boob. Right. The density well, yeah, that right. uh, that's it tells you every time. E- it's eerie. those Dothraki hands. It's not even the servant girls <laughs> yeah. who's finely tuned. It's every Dothraki yeah. hand. Yeah. They're born with an instinctive ability to detect. And uh, slaves and are brought in, and they just mm-hmm. automatically gain that ability. Yep. It comes with uh, you know, the grass. They eat the grass, and sure, that gives them the, the powers. Anyway, Tyrion, uh, we go back up to the wall. He's pissing off of it before he, he heads out. And John asks him to tell Bran. He misses him if he visits Winterfell. Uh, and Tyrion gets a pretty good line. If you're going to be a cripple, it's better to be a rich cripple. Here, here. I agree. Uh, and then finally, Arya shows up for sword training with Sirio. Sirio Pharrell. Sirio Pharrell. He's the fucking best. Gotta love this guy. Man, he's so entertaining. He's so good. <laughs> And yeah, he's and, and he's got good. such great chemistry with Arya, which you know early on is shaping up to be fan favorite too. Uh-huh. The way that they just she's like delighting and all this kind of stuff, and bristling at him, calling her boy, and it's uh-huh. just all. And he's talking in this kind of like pseudo broken English, but it's all badass what he's saying. He's a first sword of Bravos, and he's the sword as heavy as it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, to make just you just strong. so. And yeah. you know, the men are made of water, and you poke them, and they leak out, and they die. It's just it's good. It's and, real good. And then Ned, he, so here's the other, this is the second time in two episodes that this has happened where, you know, Ned's watching her practice. Well, this is not exact thing, but then you start hearing this, this, these clanging and clashing of steel and they're like, like a battle. Yeah. Happening. He's got, he's got some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder going on. That's, that's, that's brought up by, uh, you know, mentions of his former whoring ways that got him a bastard and his daughter, <laughs> uh, banging wooden swords together. Yeah, what's that all about? What is that all about? Fuck if I know. No clue. No clue. Anyway, yeah, super entertaining scene, and then that's the episode. So, good stuff. So, before we uh, before we get to the, the feedback, I want to recount a little story here. Uh, towards the end of last season, season six, Jim and I are sitting around like, hey, might be fun to go back and rewatch the first season. Mm-hmm. But then we're like, can can bald move bear the expense? And then we're like, no problem. The Lannis the 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 listeners, the listener Lannister listen. Like I try oh, to make really reaching, trying yeah. to pun on on the fly, and it's not coming together. The listeners the will. Well, the la- there you go. The <laughs> Lasteners will will loan us the gold dragons we need. Right, and here we are, three episodes in. Are you going to pay your debts? Uh, you can sign up for Club Bald Move at club.baldmove.com for as low as one gold dragon per month. The, the, which, the, which the hosting costs are going to be like 40,000. 40,000 40, dragons. Are you telling me we're 3 million gold dragons in debt? I'm to... telling you we're 6 million. Oh my god. Oh my god. But you, you can help us chip away by sign up for gold dragon uh, conversion rate to US dollars equals one gold dragon. I would okay. thought it would be more. Mm, yeah. I would be more like a Benjamin. They must be like Plated. Maybe at the start. They're not solid gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, uh, you know, uh, before Robert took over, the dragons were worth a Benjamin, but he's really ran into the ground. (laughs) Yes, yeah. It's just rampant. There's just no confidence in the the bald move economy. You need a whole. Not sure it's stable. You need a whole wheelbarrow full of dragons just to pay for a terabyte of traffic nowadays. (laughs) Uh, But you can go to club.baldmove.com for as little as a buck a, a buck a month. You can uh, get a whole bunch of bonus features, ad-free feeds. So you don't have to listen to our uh, Shakespeare in the theater type ads anymore. Uh, you can get bonus content like our quips and our lunches and our cocktails, which I think we're going to start next week. Yeah, got to bring that back. Yeah, got to bring the cocktails back. We've, we've our schedule's been uh, conflicted. Uh, we got all all kinds of different bonus stuff. 
uh, VIP access to the forums. You can get the whole pitch at club.baldmove.com. If that seems like a little bit rich for your blood or a little bit too much of a commitment, I know you guys buy stuff off of Amazon. If you're there, go to amazon.baldmove.com to slide that bald move in between the Amazon and the .com. Uh, and you go to the same site, and now your shopping cart is loaded with gold dragons in advance. We get a little little, a little little cut of that Amazon action. It's no surcharge to you. It's just literally giving us free money for things you're doing anyway. Please remember to use Amazon.BaldMove.com or sign up at Club.BaldMove.com because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it without you. What do you say we get into some feedback? Okay, we can do that. Uh, first up, Warren R. Has some good points about Kat because we both kind of agreed that she was a shit last episode. We don't like the way she treats treats our man John. Uh, yep. says uh, she doesn't just hate John because he's a reminder of Ned's alleged infidelity. He also represents a real threat to Rob's inheritance. Let's say Ned asks his best friend Robert to legitimize John. Then John would have a real claim to Winterfell. In the books, Rob is slightly older, but only by a few months. If Rob were to die, then John would leap over Bran and Rickon. So Cat has a real reason to fear and hate John. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good point. Uh, if she, it seems like a secondary concern though. To me, but it's probably. I mean, again, it's it's. I don't know. It's all these things. Yes, it's definitely a secondary concern. But if if I feel like the more reasons you have to be distrustful and hate a person, the more you know. Obviously, right. The easier it is. Self reference, self 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 reinforcing. It is because if yeah. you start to soften on one, then it's like, well, you know, he could still usurp the the lordship so still gotta hate him yeah you can fall back on the other hatred <laughs> oh he's a, a hellspawn bastard but look how cute he is right 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 <laughs> oh but it's really, also he's and i'm, and I'm really mad at parents. ned if i'm honest with myself but now that i'm in this situation he could take this uh, you know yeah right. you gotta okay. have multiple multiple avenues of hatred to keep that hate stoked strong also he's a better sword fighter than rob <laughs> that, that was always the sticking point like i want my real sons to be the best yeah. But here's John fucking that all up. Yeah. Well, Sir Roderick taught the, all his true-born sons to fight left-handed as a joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's the, the Lord's bastard. hand. Use the left, boy. Um, let's see. Uh, Kate V. Speaking of which, Arya is left-handed, yes? Oh, I didn't notice that. She's fighting with her left hand. Mm, very sinister. Yeah. Very sinister. Mm-hmm. Kate V said, in the King's Road, Cersei... Go- By the way, and if I just heard anyone left that, literally, the Latin for sinister is is like left-handed and dexterous is right like there's some built true yeah built-in cultural bias towards left people man if you're right-handed you're dexterous if you're left-handed you're sinister so (laughs) okay don't blame me you have to go back and fuck the romans uh kate v in the king's road cersei goes to visit cat caitlin while brand she's i don't know why i always say caitlin it's Catelyn. Sure is. Uh, and goddamn you, George Martin, for making this even harder on a guy like me. In the King's Road episode, Cersei goes to visit Catelyn while Bran sleeps. She offers condolences in the form of a story about a child that she lost early in her marriage. Fans have often speculated about the authenticity of this story. Of course, we talked about that last week. But upon rewatch, here's what I found most interesting. Cat replies with sympathy, Oh, I'm sorry, I never knew. I realize that Westeros does not have People magazine or social media to share the news of a royal birth, but seriously, this would be the first born of a new king and a boy at that, the child of two major houses. Plus, isn't Ned Robert's best bro? 
He wouldn't send a single baby announcement raven to reach out for support after the baby's demise. Mm. Cersei mentions that he was taken by fever, so it's not like it was an early miscarriage or anything. Thus, I find Cersei Lannister to be a dirty liar who obviously was just sneaking upstairs to pillow poor Bran to death. Yep. Uh, can you guys think of any alternative explanation for how Catelyn would not have heard about the black-haired prince taken from the world too soon? Coma. A ten-year-long coma. So this is a good point. If it was yeah. like a miscarriage, like right. at, at the f- three or four-month mark, but even like if it was a miscarriage when Cersei was visibly pregnant... That would right. be huge news. The mm-hmm. fact that she gave birth to a male heir that a well, they had fever... just imported a lot of goat meat. It was <laughs> it was real tough to tell back in the day. That's the thing. <laughs> she just got she got the nine month goat belly. She and, did goat uh, bloat. It's real. <laughs> they cut her off the goat and it went away. She had to make concoct a story. But you're you're absolutely right. It seems like once a kid is born, the announcement goes out, especially the firstborn male yes. prince. Of a, as she, it's not just any old king. It's it's the you know the rebel king. Like, sure. This is a whole new dynasty, dynasty that's been formed. Yeah, I I don't know, and you've you've kind of uh you've you've kind of taken the series down a half peg in my estimation because that is seemingly a well, plot hole. I mean, if if in fact that's true, like. Uh, what he's saying is maybe Cersei's just straight up lying to Catelyn here, and but, Catelyn but, is either. Too naive or or just ignorant to call her on it. But here's the thing. I feel like... Or polite. Catelyn definitely talks this over with Ned that night, or the next time Ned comes in to check okay. on Bran and Did says... Did you know? Listen to what I learned yeah, today. Cersei was very kind. She told me, and I had no idea. And, and Ned's like, waha? And then he yeah. goes to Robert and says, dude, why didn't you, like, how did literally no one in the kingdom know that your wife was pregnant and, you know, yeah. what the fuck? I get it. I'm up in Winterfell, but come on. And then and Robert then goes to like, Cersei and is like, are you? Right. I had a kid and I didn't know it. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and you told I was punching walls. I don't punch walls. <laughs> I I don't. Yeah. That I, that does makes no sense. Yeah. Like, I hmm. get that, that Cersei would lie, but it seems like she would have been found out almost instantly. If if people in this universe work the way I think they they do, well, Ned's got a lot of other stuff on his mind. Yeah, uh, but you're right. I don't know why Catelyn doesn't bring it up. Uh, let's see. Uh, moving on. Tom Lt says over the, fa- the last several episodes, you have had some discussion on dire wolves, and always seems to come down to well, that's yeah, fa- fantasy fiction for you. But when reading through Game of Thrones the first time, I was curious about dire wolves and aurochs, which are mentioned a lot in the first two books. It turns out that both these animals are real within Earth's history. Direwolves were from uh, 125,000 to 10,000 years ago, so they would have been around when humans started the civilization. They're not especially large wolves, approximately 150 pounds, but with bigger, sharper, and stronger teeth for taking down larger prey like mammoths and aurochs, who, by the way, were a large oxen weighing up to 3,000 pounds and standing up to 6 feet at the shoulder, and went extinct very recently, in 1627 to be precise. So they would have been around in the Middle Ages. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the... So I was familiar with this fact because I, I can't remember if it was the museum in Chicago or like the La Brea Tar Pits exhibit, but I did see like a mock-up of a dire wolf, uh, and I was kind of disappointed. It looks... Huh. I'm, it's certainly um, like its skull is heavier dutier and built, but it's not like twice as big. Is that the long legs? No, it's just kind of like a. It looks like a, it's kind of like a, a Neanderthal version of like Neanderthals are to Homo sapiens as okay. 
as the dire wolf is to the wolf. Did you see the Grumpkin and Snark exhibit? I did not. They, they, I it's did not. real out. It's outstanding. <laughs> like by far the best Grumpkin Snark exhibit I've ever seen mm. in that Chicago museum. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Field Museum. Got all <laughs> all your Grumpkin and Snark needs. Uh, it's really writes in and says, "How did Bran stay alive without feeding tubes while he was unconscious?" Uh, that's an interesting question, and I don't know that I had to answer except for I saw this year's Penny Dreadful. And they show how you could force feed a person, and they have this. And, and I and I looked it up, and it's a historical fact that they had this. Essentially, imagine a funnel with a giant metal tube that they just shove down a person's throat, and then they pour broth into it. And I guess that was enough to keep you going. And, and right. if, if they could do that in the yeah. you know 19th century, I see no reason why they couldn't do it in the 14th century. Because that's like you know none of that technology was new. Funnels, tubes. Can I get that in the 21st century? Can I just funnel stuff into my stomach? Yeah, you put a burrito in a blender and just pour it in. Yeah. You just don't do even have to taste it. Uh, I mean, that not that what Soylent is? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you could, you could, you could uh, funnel feed yourself that for sure. Uh, so that's it for the regular old feedback edition, which you can email into. You can email. You can send in any of these emails. It doesn't have spoiler, no spoiler. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com, or you can get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, and yeah. All right. We got a lot of uh, spoiler emails, I guess. Yeah? We do indeed. Okay. Well, we're going to do all that stuff after the music. So if you're interested in hearing the spoilers, tune in uh, then. And if not, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we got? You, okay. you want to talk about anything up front before? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I, so a lot of people, because I, I mentioned the the fact that you got these uh, R plus L equals J truthers that still are denying the authenticity of it, and mm-hmm. people sent in. Well, the HBO infographic says that you know it, it spells it out. Liana and Rhaegar equals John. Yeah. But the thing is, as I know I've mentioned that on the show at least once, if not twice before, and there's just no stopping these people. So no. this, is the, this is literally the last time I will, I will post that infographic in the show notes. If, if you, and, and, you know, but, but I think people would just come back and say, well, you know, in the actual book series, it's going to be – I just feel like, you know, until I, I don't know what proof at this point people would accept. I mean – it, to me, it's a done deal. Yeah, it's, it's and I, I'm bored. Over. I'm bored talking about it. This is and this is my show, and it's also your show. Do you want to talk about it more? I I just don't think there's any way that such a huge plot point is different in the books. Yeah. So going forward, we are no longer entertaining alternative theories, and I'm sounds good. I, I'm not answering emails. I'm just just not doing <laughs> okay, it. Okay. I'm good. done. I'm done. It's it's North Dakota. So. Uh, also the thing that I really, the, the only thing really that stood out to me watching this episode got me excited other than things I talked on the non-spoilers was, was, um, old Nan's talking about the, the winter coming hmm. and she mentioned, cause I thought this was a book only detail. Uh, but she mentioned the legends of them hunting with their packs of pale spiders, big as hounds. Right, right. So ice spiders is something that they mentioned. I don't think we've seen any in the books well, not certainly not in the show, well, in the but show, I don't even think yeah. we've seen them in the books. But I, but that they were talked about in the books. Okay. I'm like, man, I'd be fucking because you know spiders are like my Waterloo. I just can't handle them. 
Uh, giant ice spiders sounds creepy as fuck, and I kind of hope there's pictures. Like I know, like I think Fantasy Flight and some of their CCG games had. There's a there's an illustration of a knight, a, a White Walker riding an ice spider, and it's terrifying. I it imagine, yeah, terrifying. But we've seen them riding horses, which is not nearly as scary. They're they're just zombie undead horses, but yeah, yeah not but... nearly as scary as. What yeah, if it's like a spider? what if an ice spider is literally like an amalgamation of horse parts like it's it's uh like a freakish uh, abomination that'd be disgusting yeah that'd be awesome it'd be kind of cool though too <laughs> yeah uh but yeah now i'm I'm actually uh I'm on team ice spider I want to see ice spiders in season seven okay I'm with you there blow you, you can just not show ghosts the rest of the series <laughs> as long as I get my goddamn ice spiders right all right. You hear me, uh, Double Ds? In that same scene, there, you know, a crow flies in the window, or a three-eyed raven flies in the window, yeah? And the old lady's like, oh, crows are all liars. Well, now we know a lot more about where those come from yeah, uh, and what those are doing. And I guess they're spying on Bran or keeping keeping tabs on him. Yeah, there was, um, I can't remember which season, but after I'd read the books, I started paying attention to how often crows in particular showed up in the series right. and like how much they were in the background of things. And it's kind of a cool little detail that, you know, the three-eyed raven has uh, a thousand eyes in one. He's just like, he's like a super version of Varys, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's super cool. Any other insights you had, or should we? Yeah, so there's that scene where where Ned and Catelyn are saying goodbye to each other. Yeah, this is the last time they ever see each other. Yeah, I think you're right because because Cat goes up north, she runs into Tyrion, and then hilarity ensues. (laughs) Right, but I I thought the cinematography here, the camera work, made it pretty obvious. Like looking back on it, you know. Yeah, but on the other hand, dude, I was never more shocked than when Ned got killed. Oh, right. I'm not saying like as a first time viewer you'll get that, but like, holy shit, it's there to be read into if you if you are a second time viewer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because they they really they just push in on their faces these thousand like long lingering looks at each Uh, other. It's really something, huh? Uh, And then I couldn't help but notice how. These Starks, man, they love to leave people hanging. Mm. Bingen up at the wall. We'll talk about it next time we speak. <laughs> Fuck you, Bingen. Fuck you, Ned. Six seasons <laughs> later, yeah. Right. Uh, and they still haven't spoken about it. It's like right. these guys love, like, they love to leave you hanging. Sure. Love That's it. the Starks' uh, lesser known motto. We love to leave you hanging. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about it when I return. That's uh, winter is coming. We'll speak of it when I return. Right. And Jorah is essentially doing the same thing here. Like, okay, so is this part of his spying operation? Yeah. On Danny? Is that why he's going to Co- Quahog or whatever you, it is? You literally will see, I think, in the next episode or an episode after that, them reading some letter about her got, you know, really? This, this okay. cow's got her with child and Robert wants to kill her. And gotcha. Ned's all pissed off about it. So, yeah, it's that's the thing. Like, I felt like. I can't remember my initial reaction, but I felt like it was, it was really heavy-handed. Yeah. They're like, oh, she's pregnant? I must ride. It was. I mean, even... Because they haven't... You know, not being is, sure. They, they didn't... They haven't really started the romance angle yet. No. That comes like... I haven't gotten a whiff, and I've been looking for it. Like, okay, when did... When did he start catching feelings for Khaleesi? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is hilarious, because like, I remember for like the first three seasons, the casual fan... She didn't have a name. She's just Khaleesi. You know, Daenerys. She. What do you mean? She didn't they, have a they, name. They, I'm just saying they just, everyone called her Khaleesi. That was that oh. was like you know that was her Sean Bean name. Okay. I don't know her name. It's Khaleesi. 
Gotcha. And Khaleesi's dumbass brother. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think because because I was, when I was watching this, I'm like, oh god, this is so. Uh, and I rewound it and watched it. I'm like, wait, maybe there's another ex. Maybe it's like we're supposed to realize that he's upset because he's really in love with her, and now he's pregnant. But like, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah, no, it it, it seems pretty obvious in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's all I got. Okay. Anyway, um, Brian J said on the last podcast you were talking about how Jorah's home was a real shithole, especially when compared to Winterfell. Which is also apparently run down in the show. Mm-hmm. However, I would remind you guys that we saw Bear Island in the latest season, and if you remember correctly, it was far from a shithole in the show. Jorah, as the last, uh, as the Lord of Bear Island before his banishment, would have lived in that awesome castle. Not really important, and obviously wealth is all relative when comparing northern and southern wealth. But it's strange to hear Jorah describe himself as poor and forced into selling slaves. So I actually mentioned this in the spoiler section, but yeah. in the book, the Mormon. House is a shithole. It's it's essentially like one of those wooden log stockades on a muddy hill. Okay. So they it's not and bad I, in the show. I sure, remember yeah. when I saw it, I'm like, well, this is a perfectly respectable castle. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Uh, it was kind of a shock to me. So I don't. And it's funny because the double D's know that about the Mormons because they use it in their story. Hmm. And yet, then when we see the castle, it's 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 perfectly nice looking. Like you can, I don't remember it. Is it like a smaller castle? Is it? I mean, it's smaller than Winterfell, but there's no fallen down castle walls and right. broken shit to it either. Hmm. No, I, I actually thought they they fucked up that in all of the northern keeps that they showed. Like they all were way too fancy and nice for what I think they would actually have. Like maybe, right? Maybe the Manderleys would have a, a pretty, cause they're, they're like the wealthiest house in Westeros cause they have the sea Harbor and they've gotten done a lot of trade and that, hmm. you know, uh, plus they came from the South. So I think they had a little bit of wealth to start with, but like, yeah, I was really expecting more. And again, not hovels. Like I'm not saying when I say shithole, I mean, you know, like dirt floors, but probably it's probably warm and snug and safe and secure and like better than some like you know crofters keep or whatever but but still it's 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 described as like a wood palisade kind of huh. you know like like what uh like the 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 the, vil- the 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 village people live in the village people yeah. yeah i was trying to say like pocahontas remember the the disney movie pocahontas sure i, didn't, I, they, I never saw it that really no never saw pocahontas i know what it is but okay I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't either. I somehow I'm talking about Pocahontas, but uh Okay. Yeah, so I don't I that is a kind of irre- irreconcilable. Now, if we wanted to try to reconcile this difference, uh would it be that Mormon's wife was used to the far more lavish uh southern cuz it, it's 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 not just the fact that the his home was a shithole, but also there's just no culture. Like there, you know, people didn't go hmm. to Bear Island with with troops of mummers to put on shows. Right. They didn't have tournaments where the ladies would turn out in their finest garb, and you'd have chefs. The it, it's it's all like it's kind of like you can have a super nice house in Mooresville, Indiana. Guess what? You're still not going to impress anybody from L.A. or New York. There's a little bit of that regional, you know, prejudice as well. Okay. Right. So yeah, that's that's the best way I can kind of scrounge uh, the square that uh, round peg. Uh, Josh F says I don't buy the idea that Ned would realistically think he had any reason to fear t- telling Catelyn about John's parentage. 
Ned's promise to Leanna, as we found out in the show, was to protect John and not specifically to keep the secret to himself. All Leanna asks of Ned is to protect her son from Robert, as we also hear her say that in a scene. So we can't really say that his decision not to tell Catelyn was based on him being sworn to secrecy from telling anyone. Which... Can't can't say that it's not either. Like I, I mean, the, the, I I get I get the jet. So Josh, my first reaction is this email is like, well, Josh, you're arguing with what's actually happening on the show. Like you can say that Ned's dumb for doing that, but right, it's a canon right. fact that he didn't tell his wife. That is in fact the decision he made. So so I think he's coming from more of like, is this poor writing? As he continues, okay. Uh, which brings us to the idea that he would be putting John or John's secret in danger by telling Catelyn. As a lady of House Stark, with Stark children as heirs to Winterfell, Catelyn is just as much invested in the well-being of House Stark and just as much reason to keep the secret between them as Ned did. Really? Because we just heard uh, a guy lay out a pretty good case for why John might uh, might anger Catelyn so but much that's about the, thing, the if inheritance. Ned, if Ned told him the truth, she would then know that he is no threat because he's not in the line. He is not anywhere in the line to inherit Winterfell. Certainly not. I mean, okay. he would be, right. but yeah, every yeah, yeah. one of Ned's male children would have to die before John would step in. Gotcha. And at yeah. that point, can you even be mad? <laughs> sure. <laughs> like then you're just glad you got something. Sure, something warm to put on the throne. Yeah. Um. Ned realized, just as Catelyn would have, that their entire family would have been in big trouble if Robert had found out about Ned lying to him all these years to protect Lyanna's Targaryen bastard son. At best, the Starks would have had Winterfell taken from them and given over to another great northern house. At worst, he would have started a bloody war between the north and south. And we know how that turns out in this country. Uh-huh. Pretty well. The slaves get free, and uh, the Union is saved. Maybe maybe they should have had a, a war between the north and south. Yeah. Also, you would have to keep in mind that John would have uh, been Catelyn Stark's family had she found out that she was his aunt. Family, duty, honor are the words she grew up with as a Tully, and it shows in her character. One caveat would be that I could understand if he kept a secret from Catelyn for the first year or so while he didn't know her very well. Ned didn't have time to court her before marrying her and knocking her up when the war started, so perhaps he may not have known how much he could trust her initially. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, after she popped out his first child and she... (laughs) I love this. Uh, got a better measure of her from living with her, he would have seen how devoted she was to the family. And even if she wasn't devoted again, she's personally invested in no one finding out. I mean, all this stuff is true. But at the end of the day, Ned still, like... Yeah, and and at the end of the day, the only way you can be 100% sure that your secret will be kept is to tell no one. Exactly. And that's that's exactly what Ned did. I'm not even really sure that Benjen knows. Like... Sure, no, we've speculated, like, does he know? Well, right. he might, but he might not. Yeah, like, I, I feel like that, that Ned took this super serious. Here's that... the other thing. What does Howland actually know? Are we 100% sure that he knows? Because he doesn't go up to that tower. But he does survive. So that's, okay, you bring up a good point. He does survive the fight. He right. would have seen Ned bring down a child yeah. out of the tower. Right. That Leanna was in screaming. Like I don't know. The, sure, I'm just throwing I, I, I out there. I'm the big I'm proponent not... of put the hand on the the hilt <laughs> of the sword and like don't ask me any questions, Howlin'. But like I think right. that's stretching it a bit. Okay, fair enough. But I so I don't know that he wants anyone to know. That that would be my thing. Like yeah, I think in the perfect world, Ned would have zero other people than him know the secret. Yeah. Howland's already a loose end. I don't know that he wants another loose end in Catelyn, regardless of how loyal he thinks she is. 
Right. And that's apparently how he feels about it because he never told Like, her. I think Ned trusts him, trust her with his life. I don't think yeah. he trusts her with the life of someone else that's been put in his charge. Hmm. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, do you think, is that against Ned's character? I don't see it as against his character. I, I see that as him just not wanting to do anything to risk the promise to his dead sister. Right. That's, that's how I feel about it. Uh, but too. I do think in the analysis, if he had brought Kat in, and I, I right. agree, everything else, like, yes, they were, they, she was betrothed to Brendan. He didn't know that she was going to be a stand up woman. He comes back and maybe yeah. a year or two. It's like, uh, but then also he sees how he reacts to this bastard thing. Yeah. Maybe that's a little bit of initial rift. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I think you're right. It's not like, I, I think with perfect hindsight, yeah. we know that Catelyn is loyal to Ned until the very end. Uh, never, they, like they never get super angry at each other. They never right. actually like would have reason to divulge secrets like that. And his point about, but the he Tully's... couldn't have known that. And, and if he made this promise to his sister, I feel like he might've made the right choice not to tell anyone. And I like his point about the Tully's that their, their words are family duty, honor. And sure. the, the, the order of which those come is, is presumably carefully selected. Yeah. So I, I again, Hundred percent agree with their uh, analysis, but canonically Ned didn't do it, and I think it's it's more for for or wherever possible. I try to find ways where that the canon facts do fit the characterizations, and not where they don't. So I, I find okay. it entirely plausible that Ned would, like like we said, in a perfect world, no one would know of him. In this imperfect world, him and Howland know. Yeah. So and and now that I said that, I'm kind of convinced that he didn't tell Benjamin. Because if he told, yeah, it would be insane not to tell Catelyn after you've told Benjen. Right, right. I know, I know the Benjen is like blood at this point, right. but you know, at some point, I think that Ned would feel at least as close to his wife as he does to his brother, who's up at the wall and he never sees. Yeah. Anyway, uh, good email though. <laughs> Nancy S says, "I wanted to follow up on the discussion y'all had about Cersei's visit to Bran's sick room and whether she may have designs on finishing off then and there." I never read the scene that way before, and I disagree with the interpretation. I think it was okay. pretty widely known that the castle, that cat, around the castle, the cat never left Bran's side, so I don't think Cersei could have expected to have the opportunity to, to do anything when she visited. And had the opportunity presented itself while she was there, I don't imagine she could have taken it without casting a lot of suspicion on herself, which even the queen of poor choices would recognize as a bad idea. Cersei, that would be hilarious if that's her official, how she becomes known, like, you know, Lynn is the queen of thorns. She's right. the queen of poor choices. Uh, Cersei's visit may have had a few purposes, including one, to see for herself the state of Bran's health and likelihood of recovery. Two, sure. to keep up appearances that she is concerned about Bran and his family and or because of the, it's the polite expected thing to do. Three, to further defray suspicion from herself by convincing Kat that she can appreciate the difficulty of her situation. And four, maybe the case to join for a possible future attempt on Bran's life either directly or more likely through an agent. So, yeah, that... Sure. I think four is as good as saying she was there to kill him herself. She was there to case the joint. Okay. <laughs> right. You so know, not there to do the deed yet. Check but... out the laser grid security and, and look at the guard rotations. And, right. You know. Make sure that, you know, Ed Norton's going to be out of the house for a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Measure the suspension travel of the trucks going in and out. Right. You know, the l- unloading the tons of beef broth that they were just forcing down <laughs> Brand's throat with a funnel. Woke up 60 pounds heavier. It was amazing. <laughs> he actually wasn't paralyzed. He's just too fat to move. <laughs> uh, Kelsey W. 
said, I want to send a quick reminder about Cersei's backstory that you seem to have forgotten. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a, 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 an accusation filed at me. Uh, in the spoiler section of episode one and two, you mentioned that you do not buy Cersei's story about giving birth to Robert's black-haired son and being really upset when this infant dies. You say that he she hated Robert. Well, this is certainly true that she hates Robert now, and evil or not, she definitely deserves her he definitely deserves her hatred. She did not hate him when they married. In fact, she was getting everything that she wanted. She became queen, and Robert was once very handsome and gallant. She wanted to love him and be happy with him, and even though she wasn't the nicest person even then, the treatment of Tyrion, etc., she was much more innocent than she was now. Her love of Robert soured after she realized that he would never love her because of Lyanna and that he cheated on her constantly and was not there for her when she gave birth to their first and only son or after the child died. Remember that even if Cersei hated Robert from the beginning, which she didn't, her children were always the most important thing to her and a child fathered by Robert would have been no different. This realization that Robert would never truly love her or their children through no fault of her own is part of the reason why Cersei has become so hardened in the first place. So... I'm, what do you think, Jim? I'm, I'm not certain what point is trying to be made here. That we said was one evidence that this story with Cersei's child was bullshit is that she hated oh. Robert from the beginning. Okay. But and that's the thing. Like I couldn't remember. I know in the books that that wasn't true. That Cersei. Okay. Then that's the thing about the tragic the tragedy of Cersei and Jamie's relationship is Cersei's never been that into Jamie. Like she, de- she definitely has loved him, but like she was all about marrying Rhaegar. She was all about marrying Robert until Robert stumbled into her room drunk and was saying, "Oh, Lyanna, Lyanna," as he fucked her for the first time. Uh, yeah, and, that'll do it. And also, I think there was a there's I I believe that she actually there there's a line because you get a lot of Cersei POV in the later books, and there's a line where she used to go to Ma- Maester Pycelle every single time that Robert got with her to 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 get the uh Westerosi Mortificant. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's moon tea is what they called it. Okay. Uh and also there's a lot of like really graphic details where Cersei would do whatever she could to finish him on the outside. Uh uh there's this one particular line where she's talking about licking how all the airs off of her fingers and that oh yeah, that must be a great yeah. great read. Yeah. Yeah. With Martin's uh flowery sexual dialogue. Sure. Uh, okay. So fair. I guess, like, you know, we didn't consider that maybe at one point she had loved Robert. Um, but I still think the story it, about the child is bullshit. Right, For right. all the other reasons we've, we've, we've propped it up with another pillar here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it still and, stands, and Someone will probably knock it down next week with probably. another book fact that I've forgotten. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, again, that's, a, like, Jamie has only ever loved Cersei, but I don't think you could say the same for Cersei. Okay, fair. Uh, T. Hunter from Germany says, I was thinking about Bran's future a lot, and I gotta ask myself why everyone thinks the mark on Bran's arm is such a huge problem for their journey back south at Wall. I mean, it's not like Bran's arms have much use left. Why not just amputate the damn thing or burn out the mark or something along those lines? Make him a quadriplegic? Is, what, this is, is the quintessential going? German solution to the problem. <laughs> okay. The, 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 the efficiency of the solution. Right. The finality of it, even. Okay, so hack off both of his other limbs because right? he's got one bad one. Right, or just burn it out. Why not? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean his arms aren't of that much use anymore? It's the, yeah, he's he's not a quadriplegic. He's not a paraplegic. Yet. You He'll would have a him be unipelagic. <laughs> or wait, no. No, it, it'd be a tri- triplegic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm, I can't get past 
his arms are of no use anymore. Well, here's the thing. Like, he continues. If you use, okay. And since they know the White Walkers will hunt the mark and know where it is, they could even keep the amputated body part to later set up some huge trap. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I could just okay. see the, the, you know... Uh, the White Walker, it's kind of like that scene from Lord of the Rings where the ra- ring wraiths are stabbing the empty pillows and they, <laughs> right. they fling it back and there's just a bloody arm there and they all start screaming. There's a look of realization <laughs> on the White Walker's We've been face. had! And then here comes a triplegic brand on the back of, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, uh, Mira? Mira, I yeah. I thought you were going to go dragon. Yeah, sure. Coming he's at ri- him he's with riding, a spear. Yeah. Mira in the battle with a sword between his teeth. <laughs> right. His one good arm waving in the wind. Um, <laughs> he could choose whatever they do. I definitely think the mark can be used for their advantage in the end. Oh, man. But that's Bravo. only if they understand it. Right? Yes. So that's only if they understand that it could be a threat. And also, like is that, 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 the other thing is there's a lot of assumptions of facts, magical facts, not in evidence. For example, the, the mark is like this physical thing, like... I, I guess, like, why can't it be, like, the physical manifestation of a psychic brand? Right. So, like, he's just Well, his marked. head's useless, too. Everything's useless right. on him now that he yeah. has no legs. Well, I mean, he could just warg into a, you know, warg into a, a, a tree and just cast off his body. I mean, if I... If you want to start chopping limbs off, chop the legs off. At least make him lighter. Hmm. Like, well, if that's I were what I'm saying. Hodor, like, if I was going go to amputate his arm, I would go with arm and legs, because then Mira could, you know, tuck yeah. him around. Yeah, yeah. Tuck him around, carry him, lug him. I meant <laughs> to say lug. I, tuck him under an arm. My brain said lug, my mouth said tuck, and that's my life. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Bran might disagree with the, the your, yeah, your survey of his utility there, Hunter. But I mean, in in what world do you lose the use of your legs <laughs> and suddenly your arms are also useless? They're basically useless. <laughs> okay. I mean, you could do needlepoint, but... Uh, I don't know know if I buy that reasoning, but okay. He needs at least one hand so he can touch the tree root. Right. Unless he can just do, like, uh, that would be a funny visual. He just, like, puts his mouth on it, Mm -hmm. starts gumming a tree. Uh, Okay, let's move on. They've taken his teeth out now, too? Is that (laughs) what I'm hearing? I mean, they're basically useless. (laughs) You got the funnel. You just keep putting the... (laughs) You just keep shoving the broth down his belly. Why does he need teeth? This is going to be some kind of fucking Metallica nightmare before this story's over. <laughs> um, Susan S. said, in your most recent episode, there's some discussion about the requirements for the position of Hand of the King. I am basing my information off the books, including the World of Ice and Fire of the Westeros.org wiki. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, well, I'm sure they'd be unwise to outright refuse the position of the Hand, as Catelyn and Ned discussed after Robert's offer. Hands can and do resign from office, and the king can replace a hand at any time. Brand's hands have resigned from office. <laughs> <laughs> so so this I've actually had to cut down because this is a very long and scholarly email. But she gives some examples during the reign of Eris II, the Mad King, uh, the second, rather, that are, are that Tywin did try to resign after Eris had publicly insulted his wife, Joanna. And, you know, people differ and know what exactly the insult was. Uh, but Eris refused to accept the resignation, probably similar to how Robert refused to accept Ned's resignation after he cooled down over the Daenerys execution issue. However, after Eris made Jamie Lannister a member of the Kingsguard, Eris re- accepted Tywin's resignation. The animosity between the two men, as well as Eris' paranoia about Tywin, had reached the point that both men were happy to end the relationship. Eris th- then replaced Tywin with Owen Merriweather, an elderly courtier, 
who was courtier, rather, I think, hmm. who was agreeable with everything Eris wanted. But he proved ineffectual with the needs of the realm once Robert's rebellion, rebellion was underway. Eris's paranoia led him to believe that Meriwether was conspiring with the rebels. So Meriwether, too, was stripped of the office, his lands and titles, and sent into exile. This is when Eris appointed John Connington, one of Prince Rhaegar's closest companions, to the position of Hand. The king thought the younger man might be what was needed at the time, but after losing battles, Connington is also stripped of his lands, titles, and exiles. Which, mm. if you've been paying attention to the spoiler edition, John Connington is the guy who is raising what is claimed to be Aegon Targaryen in exile over in Essos. Hmm. And okay. he then leads them back... Uh, after a lot of trials and tribulations, and they land in Westeros at the end of the book five. Uh, but I I and many others think that he's a fake Targaryen and this is some kind of scam. Uh, the next hand is served on a small council as a master of coins before Eris appointed him to the position of hand. Uh, Carlton Chesteld had an unluckier fate than his predecessors. Once Aris decided his council was poor, he had Chesteld uh, burned alive, which led to Eris's final hand, the alchemist Rosart. I think you already know the fate of this man. He actually served as hand for only two weeks, hmm. uh, made him a bunch of wildfire. He's also the the, the one of the ones that uh, was instrumental in like burning Ned's father to death. But uh, okay. Jamie killed him right as he was trying to run out the room to set fire to King's Landing. Hmm. Uh, and she mentions a whole other like more benign examples of of hands resigning and being an exiled and whatnot, including. Okay. Uh, Brendan Rivers, who ended up becoming the Blood Raven, who is the Three-Eyed Crow. Huh. There's no evidence of that, in fact, in the show. But in the books, yeah. uh, he's actually uh, a really old former hand of the king that had to take the black over some shenanigans. So not like taking the black. You can resign um, as long as you, you know the king will let you. Yeah. Uh, That's the thing. It's at the definitely at the pleasure of the king. I don't know. Right. And and like like you said, we've seen an example in the show later on where Robert refuses to accept the resignation. So I guess that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, okay. it'd be interesting to see like what what happened if a hand just pushed the point. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's any other thing where you're rebelling against the king. Yeah, it's your Probably personal relationship you. with them that's going to save you at that point, not like some kind of law. All right, Rachel H. Uh, some comments about the dagger. We asserted uh, some facts last week um, in the spoiler section. She points out it never actually belonged to Tyrion. As both Jamie and Tyrion independently pointed out, Tyrion would never bet against Jamie. Mm-hmm. Which is something, actually, damn it, that's a point I meant to mention in the main show that I was, in the non spoiler section, I thought it was interesting that. In the previous episode, they kind of questioned Tyrion's loyalty to the family, and then we hear that he bet against his brother in a tournament, and it's like things were stacking up against Tyrion in the show. Uh, anyway, however, Robert Wood, uh, King Robert Wood, and Jamie remembered him showing off the dagger at the tournament feast. Jamie and Tyrion also independently arrived at the conclusion that Joffrey arranged the assassination for the reason Aaron had proposed, parental approval with the added bonus of cruelty. The show had the opportunity to include Book Joffrey's boast about being familiar with Valerian Steel when Tywin gifts him Widow's Whale in Season 4, but the huh. Double Ds probably correctly assumed that the readers would not remember that Season 1 dangling thread. And indeed, hmm. I don't think anybody is really bothered about the mystery of who killed Bran. Who it, tried to kill yeah. Bran, yeah. And it, it's not even really dealt with in the books. Like It's something hmm. that probably with a stronger editor would have been kind of removed because it's it's people's ruminations over who they think did it. So Right. Uh, okay. 
I think little it's one of the reasons the later books are the size of phone books. I think Littlefinger pointed the cat in Tyrion's direction because Littlefinger is trying to foment discord between the Starks and Lannisters. Tyrion's by far the easiest Lannister target. It's a huge risk, but Littlefinger was gambling on Kat's trust in him and her mama bareness slash hot-headedness because if she talked to Ned about it first and they brought it up at the court, Robert would have claimed it and Kat would not have kidnapped Tyrion and sparked the war, etc. Okay. Uh, what about the idea that maybe Littlefinger is trying to claim Kat for himself? Getting that out of the picture. So that's something I did want to talk to you about. Uh, at what point did he start having designs on Sansa? Not yet. At the Red Wedding? I feel like there was that tournament thing where he's like talking to her. But isn't there like a jousting yeah, no, no. event or yeah, something yeah. later it's, on? It's, 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 it's at this hand, tournament the hand where he meets her. Do okay. you think he's starting to lust after her at that point? Maybe like the very beginning. I'm definitely going to be but, looking for evidence yeah, of yeah. that when I'm, I'm when I'm watching this because he essentially claims in the current season, season six, that it's been his plan from all along. And now I don't know what that definition of all along is to have right. him being on the Iron Throne with Sansa at his side, right? Uh, and and because at this point, for what I know of Littlefinger, is that he feels spurned by Cat, and I don't think he would want her at this point. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. That he's he's switched his fixation to Sansa. I don't. I, I don't. That, that I, I don't know sense. at this point. But at, when I say at this point, I don't think he wants. I don't think he wants Catelyn back, and he realizes that there's no universe in which that she would take him back. In fact, she, she mentions says, that he's a little brother. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something you say about someone that gets you all moist and hot and bothered. No. So I, uh, I, and I think he's smart enough to know that. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't know. I mean, it's still fair to say that he carries a torch for her and loves her and all that, but I don't think he can get over his rejection and humiliation. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's see. Um, Eliza Von O said, Wanda weigh in on the theory that Tyrion poses a threat to Danny's future reign in Westeros, and she may even have to sacrifice his life to hold power. This rustled a lot of Jimmy's on last She'd week's show. She'd have to sacrifice whose? Life? Remember that one one of the emailers had a theory that Tyrion was going to get sacrificed by Danny because he's such a pariah in Westeros, right? And either yeah. he'll command it himself, like, "Look, you got to cut me loose," or she'll interpret it, to or she'll read, she'll remember read it his, that way. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And like, and and that's the thing. Like, I don't know that cut loose means kill. Like, she could okay. exile him, right? Uh, he could take the black. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I, but but anyway, it, it got a lot of people upset. <laughs> Um, Eliza says, I think I'm not buying it though. I think, although Tyrion is viewed negatively as a public figure, I think a persistent theme in both the song of ice and fire and the TV show is that small folk want food, shelter, and safety. At the end of the day, they care nothing for the games of Kings and Lords. Westeros on TV, at least is headed, uh, for some serious bad times under the rule of Queen Cersei. There's every reason to believe Olenna Tyrell will cut off food supply from the reach Cersei has repeatedly demonstrated absolute indifference to the suffering of small folk, and you can be sure she will be doing nothing to feed her starving subjects, even if it were possible to do so. Any uprisings or even murmured dissent from her subjects will be met with swift, brutal, and horrific violence. All the tracks have been laid. When Daenerys finally marches on King's Landing with a royal lineage, massive naval fleet, tens of thousands of soldiers, and three dragons, who are thought in Westeros to be extinct, to free them from Queen Cersei the Terrible... I have no doubt they will see her as their savior and welcome her with open arms. Danny will smash Cersei. It's only a question of when it will go down and how much damage Cersei will do in the meantime. 
Really, the only people who hate Tyrion with any passion are his siblings, mostly Cersei. Once the Lannisters are finally disposed of, I don't think the people will really give a shit who Daenerys chooses to advise her or to sit at her small council. Also, between recovering from the inevitable battle between Danny and Cersei and the fallout of Cersei's reign, coupled with the imminence of the War of the Dawn, I think that anyone will have... I don't think anyone will have a lot of time or energy for political navel-gazing in King's Landing. Uh, also, for all our other flaws, Danny is not one to compromise her deeply held beliefs and values under political pressure. She's the last person who would throw someone she loves and values under the bus for political expediency. I do have a very strong disagreement with that last line. Because she okay. just fucking did it with Dario. She said she felt nothing. So, I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe she doesn't love Dario. Maybe there's nothing there. Uh, well, she said she felt nothing about his dismissal, not... Right. And, you That's know, what I mean. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I, I mostly guess, agree with you there. Yeah, no, and I, I kind of... I, I agree that that's a certain way to look at it. Like, I took sure. it as, like, um, her saying that, you know, she could interpret that as she feels numb or maybe she's in, like, a different stage of grief. But she also acknowledged the fact that he loved her and that she loved him at some point. Maybe that's the part that I'm imagining. Well, so, okay, a lot of this is based on... So I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of this email. I think, you know, the next logical step for Lena is, like she said, cut off the the food supply, uh, going to cause serious problems in King's Landing. Is already Which, that, broke. That's a season two plot. Like, right. you know, the, the... That's the whole reason they're joining these houses in the first place. Right. Is money and food and, like, just the prosperity of the, the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, without the... Tyrells? Mm-hmm. Mar- Mar- Tyrells? Yeah, Tyrell. Okay. <laughs> uh, they have big problems. So mm-hmm. the only problem I have with, with saying that all this stuff is going to go down with shortage of food supply and they're going to hate Cersei by the end is Danny's on her way. Mm-hmm. And that narrow sea is narrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a day is what you said yeah, it takes days. to cross it. Well, I mean, she's uh, she's much further uh, east along the continent. So right, maybe, right. She's but, got but sell. no more than a week or two. That's the thing. Like, I don't, I, depending on how these timelines are lining up, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it's going to be months from when Cersei blows up the temple to when Danny arrives, then I could see it. But if it's only a week, I don't think the people are going to have time to hate Cersei that much. Right. Uh, now, she did kill, a shit ton you know, of people Marjorie and who the people love. And burnt down the most important religious site Right. In all of Westeros. So, so this is where I do start to agree a little more, is that people probably don't like her already. Yeah. But but we know for a fact that people do dislike Tyrion in yeah. the land. He's he's seen as the, the cause of a lot of problems. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you... It, it comes down to whether or not you think the people care about who is right. leading them. Yeah. Or do they just care about the food in their belly? And also to some extent, how Martin wants to handle it, because there's also precedent for this, right? Uh, um, Lord Tywin came to King's Landing, sacked it, and had his henchmen rape the princess of a beloved prince. Like, everyone loved Rhaegar Targaryen. He was, like, the people's champ, you know. Everyone hated his father, but they all thought, oh, man, as soon as he takes over, we'll be good. And everyone loved the princess and thought their children were adorable. This guy came in and raped the the princess and bashed the brains of the babies with his bare hands. Yet Tywin came out looking, you know, smelling like a rose because 
you know, Robert pardoned everybody and rewarded them for their service, and and people kind of got over it. And I, I think I she's, guess she's right that if, if if Danny can bring peace and prosperity, that everything else is, is right. secondary. Sure, but I think it's going to take some time to for them to accept it, though, because like, well, here's the thing. Let's say here's the thing. Let's say that Danny takes over King's Landing. This isn't going to be an epic battle. She just she just bowls it over. Right. What happens next? Winter's coming. Right. That's yeah. the worst thing that can happen yet, and that's where she's going to have problems because the small folk are going to be like, well, of course. The White Walkers are coming down because you put some demon imp on the throne, <laughs> and this is the god's vengeance for all the things. Okay. That's, I think, they where maybe it, it – and, and Tyrion's like, look, you need a political win. you know. Or, like I said, I think it would be more poignant if, 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 if Tyrion is the one that puts his, his neck in the noose. But, but Danny in a fit of real politic could do that. I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's weird that if – like you keep mentioning, oh, the people love this king, or the people love this princess, or the people right. hate this king. Uh, it would be weird to me that all of these things are mentioned in the books and the show, and then that's not a factor. Like the people aren't a factor at all. Yeah, sure. Like the 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 how much the people like the ruler, because that's essentially what the email is saying is they don't care about who rules them. Right. Which I don't know if I totally buy, especially given the context of, oh, the people love this king or this queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I, it's certainly possible yeah. that, you, you know, I'm not sold on Tyrion. I don't want Tyrion to die. I don't either. I want I, to but live. I, but I think it's an interesting storytelling possibility. <laughs> right. That they've kind of laid tracks with, you know, like... He, this started to, yeah. Yeah, like this is Chekhov's, um, what would you call it? Political gambit. Chekhov's advice. Yeah, like, <laughs> no one really liked Dario. No one really mm-hmm. wanted to see Danny shack up with him. So they're in, they're introducing you have to do painful things and make sacrifices for the greater political good. Uh, why introduce that mechanic if not to have a greater fulfillment later on down the line? Does Chekhov, Chekhov's whatever even apply when there are no acts? When it's this long, right. ongoing who knows thing. It's a Chekhov's <laughs> trope is its own thing at this point. I suppose so. Uh, okay, moving on to Megan M. One of the things I noticed was Peter Baelish's voice changed a lot since season one. Yeah. Season one, he sounds like a normal human being. By season six, <laughs> he's almost approaching the dark night with this weird effect. Am I the only one who notices this? No, you're right. You're Not totally just right. That, but like... The whole there's something insubstantial about this version, like yeah. weedy uh-huh. and, or reedy, reedy about this guy. I think he, I think the actor himself had not figured out the character quite yet. I think Fair. he was growing into it because yeah. um, he sounds a lot more like the actor, honestly, in in these early scenes. Yeah, and he also has not, he has not, he has not the power. He has not much power. Like he's right. he's he's risen to the to master of coin at this point. Yeah. Like by the time in season six he owns um Heron Hall, he owns the Vale, and he's got some real weight behind him. Yeah. So I feel like that he lets his evil freak flag fly a little bit more freely. That's a lot of alliteration I just dropped on people. Uh because he's got the power to back it up. Sure. Makes but yeah, sense. he's he's definitely a lot growlier and dropped an octave or so. Yep. That's the other thing. His his it turns out his his, his balls dropped. It's a very Did late it? adolescent oh, for, man. for uh, Littlefinger. <laughs> Another reason... No, 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 no. Well, everybody else make the connection. Uh, Anthony, 
In Season 1, Episode 3, the one we're discussing, we are introduced to two new recruits of the Night's Watch, Grin and Pip. Given that this is a modern fantasy narrative that Gurm likes to nod to popular narratives from time to time, these names seem to echo Frodo's traveling companions in Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. Peregrine and Pippin. All we need now is a portly but super loyal companion named Sam, and I think we might think that Jon Snow is a Frodo type. <laughs> Could this be Gurm's way of pointing out to Jon's narrative or how Jon's narrative will unfold? Perhaps he will wield a great and ancient power beyond oh. his understanding, struggle with his own dark side, experience a death or resurrection of sorts, and ultimately save the realm from an evil or- overlord? Or is Gurm just tipping his cap to Tolkien? That was my first instinct. Yeah. Is just, you know, he, he has talked, obviously, about where the origins of this story come mm-hmm. from. Uh, and that's part of it. So why not? Well, it's interesting because Pippin and Grin are that's a reference to the same character, Peregrine Took, uh, whose short name is Pip. So that's weird. Oh, is it? Um, but huh. Frodo's other companion is Mary. Uh, and I, there is no character named Mary that John hangs around with, but the opposite of Mary, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dolores. And we've got Dolores Ed. Or Dolores. Why is that the opposite of Mary? Well, Dolores means like kind of dour and 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 grumpy and sad and down in the mat. And Mary is like Mary, Mary, be Mary. Okay. All I, right. It's it's just a really bad Tolkien joke, but I I couldn't let slide the assertion that Pip and Grin are 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 two separate. You know, it's like no, right. it's, it's it's Pip and Mary. So. Okay. Hm. I didn't know that. Yeah. As I <laughs> as I hike my glasses up on my nose. Um. Kimberly G said, "Oh, well, let's let's talk about this a bit. I don't think the I think it's just a tip of the cap because right. I, I I don't think that this theory has any predictive power. Nor do I think that um, uh, uh, Anthony is actually suggesting that. But like, I don't know it'd be an interesting idea if um, you know, it's like John has to go north to destroy some artifact. Okay, I can't imagine like because like the we talked about the Horn of Joramund." Uh, the 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 horn that you could blow and bring down the the wall, and that seems to be even in the book something that was just a gambit or a made up thing. We do have the dragon horn that Euron supposedly has that is completely absent in the TV series. That could be something else. It would be a threat to the quote unquote good guys. Um, hmm. I don't know. He has to go to the largest obsidian mountain, and <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't they they don't have like a one ring. So yeah. But like I said, I, I granted doesn't have much predictive power. I don't even know why I'm I'm entertaining this. Okay. Uh, moving on, Kimberly G. Uh, did you notice how Ned told Arya to stand by Sansa because they have too many enemies now and they can't fight family? Exactly like John told Sansa they have to trust each other because they have too many enemies in season six. One of the many parallels between seasons one and six. Yeah. I think the writers are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I didn't actually catch that, but you're right. It's it's. Uh, Funny though that John and says it to Sansa when it, it's you'd think it'd be something that Arya would say to one of the two to echo what her father said and like the wisdom that she got. But well, she's not around. And as if they showed many parallels between John and 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 Ned, like him telling uh, uh, the 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 brother to keep his uh, shield up and something that yep. we find out Ned told to his little brother. Uh, moving on, Jordan from England said. Um, I do find it strange that Ned and Cat are so willing to trust Peter Baelish. Ned to a lesser extent, but certainly Cat would be aware of his devious ways. 
There must have been some hints that he was untrustworthy and jealous when they were growing up together in River Run. Perhaps she's just overcome with what's happened to her son, and perhaps they're both just naive. Either way, it feels a bit strange, especially after we what we see in later seasons, that we put a lot of faith in... Uh, they put a lot of faith in their quote-unquote friend, Peter Baelish. Is this an oversight from a writing perspective, or is it just a character trait? So, I understand why Ned goes for it, because Cat's going for it. Yeah. And he implicitly trusts Cat. Uh, what is it about the background between Littlefinger and Catelyn that makes Catelyn trust him so much? Do you know? Just that they grew up together. So... Okay. In in the exact same way that Ned and Robert were like squired or warded by John Aaron, uh, the Tullys warded Littlefinger. Like took okay. him in and like you know we're gonna teach you to be a man. Gotcha. Uh, so like, and I guess that like Cat and Liza used to like you know play kissing games with them. You know, play doctor and who knows what all else. But okay. Uh, and that Liza genuinely had the hots for Peter, mm-hmm. but. Cat never did, and and it's a love triangle. Littlefinger had the hots for Cat, right? Who never returned it um, to the extent that he challenged you know Brendan her and betrothed to a duel for her honor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that that's the thing. Like even I, I mean I guess were there any signs that Littlefinger was the devious little shit that he ends up being in when he was a child? And I don't. I mean probably a little bit, but also how much of this being spurned and rejected because he wasn't highborn or as highborn um, was a formative event for him. And like how much of that ambition to like, I need to have it all is an effort to fill this hole that was left by cat, not loving him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And also like, I mean, I've ran into like people and, and I knew in high school and they've like completely changed as adults or they're, you know, you assume they've changed and you're like, Oh no, this is the same kind of immature asshole. They've never really grown up. Right. But you don't, you don't really know that until you meet them and, and get to know them. So I, I mean, why couldn't that happen here? I don't know. I mean, I suppose it is happening. The last time <laughs> she saw him, he was a boy that foolishly yeah. challenged her lover to a duel and they probably haven't really seen each other spoke since. So he, she might assume that he's grown up and changed for the better. Like he's the master of coin now. That's pretty respectable. Sure. And, and I have affection for like, if, if like cats thinking like if we were in the same jam, I would probably try to help him out somehow. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he help me? Fair enough. It's, it's, I feel like sometimes this, it, it's tempting to take knowledge that you have of how things worked out. Right. And hindsight. then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's captain hindsight striking. Sure. Um, because again, like you know, how much trouble could have Littlefinger really got up to in the in, in River End or River Run rather? Uh, so that's it for the emails. Again, okay. Game of Thrones at baldmove dot com or forums at baldmove dot com if you'd like to submit your missive. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back with the fourth episode next week. All right, see you guys then. All right, bye bye.